I'm beginning a new series. Amen. I believe at the direction of the Lord. I'm excited about this direction. The, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart uh, that there were two areas and two directions. I'm shortly, I'm going to be starting another series on Friday night. If you hadn't been coming on Friday night, you've really been missing out. I'm telling you, that's part of your spiritual training. Amen. It's Friday nights too. Of course, we have prayer on Wednesday night. But I, I know a lot of you drive a long ways. But, uh, you know, if the Lord's directed you to hook up and be a part of this family, then uh, you are, uh, in a measure, responsible for what goes on here. Whether, you, whether you're here to hear it or not, <laughs> you'll be responsible for what comes out here revelation-wise because it was available to you. And beside that, it's not just about you, you uh, having good attendance. It's about you being fed up and strong in your spirit. Amen. Amen having your answers. And yeah. Being ready for no matter what happens in life. And being an overcomer. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We shouted Friday night because we're not victims. No. We're not victims. No. We're victors. No. Hallelujah. No. Woo. I like it. But the Lord dealt with me, you know, he, the Lord has told us, given me direction as the uh, overseer, human overseer of the church, uh, specific things at different times from the time, the first service we had. And he's given me some other things just recently. He said for, he told us he's growing us up quickly. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's growing this church up quickly. Well, I mean, that's obvious just from the natural standpoint, but I mean, even more so spiritually. And I believe it's going to be in fruit, in fruit, in effectiveness, in results, amen, in your lives and then with you. But then the Lord dealt with me that he's giving us now that there was to be things for us to develop spiritually and things for us to develop naturally because we live in both realms, don't we? We're spirit beings, and we worship God in spirit, but then we live in this world. And so we're going to begin with the spiritual side of it. He said, this is the next thing for your spiritual development, and this is the next thing for your natural development. So we're beginning this morning on the next thing for our spiritual development. I believe it was the leading of the Lord that we camp for months on how to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit-led life. Don't you? I, I believe, you know, I believe that. Well, here's the next thing for our spiritual development. Would you turn, please, to the book of James, the fifth chapter, James 5, and the book of Isaiah, the 56th chapter. James 5 and Isaiah 56. James 5 and Isaiah 56. I'm excited about this direction. It's an answer to our prayer and our desire. I have a desire for the move of God. Amen. For the greater manifestations of God's presence. Amen. It just suit me wonderful. If God manifest himself so big in this place... That all of us had our nose pasted in the carpet for three days. It couldn't move. And all we did was whisper, the Lord, he is God. 
the Lord. He is God. Well, it's not about me being an amazing preacher. It's not about you being the most perfect Christian. When we do what pleases Him, He will manifest Himself to us. Did you hear me? When we obey Him and our services and what we're doing and what we're believing, what we're saying, what we're preaching and prophesying and singing, when it pleases Him to the greater degree, He will manifest His presence in our midst to a greater degree. Amen? That's a fact. You go to a church and you never sense the presence of God? Does that mean He's not there? No, He's there. But why, why don't you sense His presence more? Because He's not pleased with everything that's going on. Did you hear me? He's not invited. He's not being yielded to to that degree. I want us to yield to the presence of God. I want us to do things in such a way that it is no hindrance to him at all. But he is pleased with it. So that the power just gets cranked up. And turned up. And turned up. The presence gets turned up. Until people come in to visit the church. When they get to the Branson city limits. The power fills their car. And they think glory to God. God is here. Yes he is. God is everywhere. But he's not manifest everywhere. Right? And here's an answer. And the next step in us having a greater manifestation of the presence of God in our services and in our lives. In James 5, this is what we're beginning on and this is where we're going. We're going to talk about prayer. Prayer. The Lord has dealt with me. This is the next emphasis in our spiritual development. Prayer. And we're not going to be religious about it. We're going to get in the Bible about it. Amen. And we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to teach you about prayer. We're going to meditate on not what man thinks about prayer, what God said about prayer. And we're going to pray. And we're going to increase in prayer. Amen. We're going to have more people praying about more things, more directions and ways. And you're going to do more praying at home. I said, and you're going to do more praying at home. And you're not going to have to make yourself do it. You're going to desire to do it. Yeah. You're going to get hungry to be with God more and draw closer to him. Amen. And pray with more effectiveness and more results. Amen. Amen. Prayer is a wonderful thing. Well, in in James, the fifth chapter, James chapter five, and verse 15, he said, the prayer of faith, the what? Prayer. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and what? Pray one for another that you may be healed. What if somebody's sick? Can you pray for them? Could you expect them to be healed when you pray? Yeah. Someone says, well, we just pray, Lord, heal them if it be thy will. 
And if not, thy will, then you didn't pray the prayer of faith. Did you hear me? Because you have to know the will of God in order to pray the prayer of faith. Like one individual said, I believe it was F.F. Bosworth, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. He said, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How many believe that? Let me read that to you in the Amplified. In the Amplified it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Anybody like that besides me? What were we just talking about? We were talking about the presence of God. We were talking about power filling up the cars before they get in the parking lot. Tremendous power available. What affects that? Prayer. Prayer. Now, now, God does it. But he is allowed to do it in the earth as a response to our praying. So we don't give the glory to our praying. Right? But praying is a part. He said, the earnest. Everybody repeat these words after me. Earnest. earnest heartfelt. heartfelt continued, continued. See, prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Tremendous power available. Man, we're not through reading the text yet, and I'm already getting happy. (laughs) Tremendous power available. I like power. Do you like power? I like power. I like being able to push a big heavy bar. I like like a car that's got power under the hood. Do you? I like a dog that's got power. I like a boat that's got power. I like it when you race the engine, the windows vibrate. Power. But there ain't no power like the power of God. Oh, the power of the Almighty, the holy, pure, healing, delivering, joy-giving, peace-bringing. Hallelujah. Make you free forever. Power of the living God. What can affect that? Proper prayer. When you get to praying properly, real praying, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Let's keep reading. He said, Elias, that means Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. He's a man that made mistakes. He's a man that didn't know everything. Human. Just like me and you. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Did his prayers affect the earth? Changed the whole weather system. Changed the atmosphere. 
change the cold fronts and, and warm fronts and flows of air and, and the jet stream and the moisture from the south. Change the whole deal. And the Bible says, what did that? His praying. Then he prayed again. Everybody say, pray it again. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. How many believe there's a spiritual implication and application here? Praying, and rain, and fruit of the earth. What does that sound like? I mean, what is the real harvest? What is the real rain? How many know rain refers to the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Holy Spirit can fall in power like rain. Amen. And the rain waters the seed of the Word of God. And the seed springs up and brings forth. And there's a harvest in souls. There's a harvest in human beings. And that's what the Lord is waiting for and has great patience waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. People, people. Hallelujah. People are not going to come in by the hordes and by the thousands and millions because of our ingenious advertising campaigns. Hmm? Or because of our amazing edifices and structures and, and our programs. No, people are going to be drawn by manifestations of the power of God. When they see the reality of God manifested in the earth, they won't be able to stay away. They see the goodness of God manifested in healings and miracles and deliverances. People will flock to go, is this really real? Is God really showing up? Amen. And you'll see a harvest. Glory to God. Harvest. I'm happy already. Glory. Go to Isaiah, please. Isaiah, what did we say? 56. Jesus quoted this passage from Isaiah. You'll see it in the gospel accounts. But I want you to read it from where it was first given. In Isaiah 56 and verse 7. I tell you, let's back up to verse 6. He said also, this is Isaiah 56, 6. Also the sons of the stranger that joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting and takes hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain. How many believe God's going to bring in folk that were strangers? They were strangers to church. They were strangers to God and the covenant. But he's bringing them in. Say it out loud. He's bringing them in. From the north. From the south. From the east. From the west. He's bringing them in here. Amen. And how many believe they will come to know the Lord? And they'll love the Lord. And they'll serve him. Amen. And even them, he said, I'll bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called 
and house of prayer for all people. See, Jesus quoted that, didn't he? He quoted Isaiah. You remember, he went into the temple and they had made it just a place of merchandise. And their main thing was not serving God. It was buying and selling. And the whole place had an atmosphere of a market. Of a store. And that aggravated the Lord. See one of the strongest demonstrations of his. I mean he grabbed those tables. And he gave them a fling. And he got a little whip. He drove out the livestock. He said get these things out of here. He said it's written. My father's house will be called the house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. How many believe every church ought to be a house of prayer? Every place of God where God has control. Your house ought to be a house of prayer. Right? Does that mean you're on your knees all the time? No, it doesn't. When Jesus said that, he didn't say, y'all are not kneeling with your hands clasped. Y'all are not kneeling. It wasn't about kneeling, and it wasn't about chanting. What was it about? The atmosphere. Is that right? The environment was like the environment of a street market. Right? A house of prayer has the environment of the awareness of God. The awareness of the presence of God. I'm going to give you what I believe is one of the most basic, simple definitions of prayer. And we're going to keep referring to this over and over because we're going to ask and answer the question, what is prayer? We're going to answer it from the Bible. What is prayer? There are many things that you could say about what is prayer. But I'm going to say this just in one summary Concise statement. Prayer is communion with God. Somebody says prayer is talking to God. Well, it's more than that. Too many people just talk to God and don't pray. Did you hear me? No. Prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is communion with God. I'd almost rather say talking with God than just talking to God. Did you hear me? Because talking with, let's say you and I went out for a meal and, and I'm talking with you and you're talking with me. You're not just talking to me, talking with me. What does that imply? Both of us are doing some talking. Both of us are doing some listening, right? There's communion. There's fellowship. There's a sharing of ideas and thoughts and feelings. And you're aware of my presence. I'm aware of your presence. Right? I see your smile. I hear the tone in your voice. You see the look in my eye. You hear the tone in my voice. Communion. Right? You didn't come there to lecture me. Right? No. We certainly don't lecture God. We talk to Him. We ask him things. We ought to do a lot of listening. Amen. Right? The one who knows the most should do the most talking. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Who would that be? 
the one who knows the least should do the most listening. And in so-called prayer, there's too much chatter. Needs to be specific. And the key to greater prayer is a greater awareness of God. A greater awareness of who you're talking to. And that he is listening. Amen. I mean, it'd be like you coming to talk to me. And what if you came in and, and in the office or something and you came and fell across the desk and you said, oh, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, oh, and I'd say, what, what? Sit down. What do you want? Talk. <laughs> Is our God a person? Is he slow? Is he hard of hearing? Do we have to tell him something 95 times for him to begin to get what we're talking about? Or did he not know everything we were going to say before we ever came? Do you see what I'm talking about? There's a lot of religious ritual, a lot of religious ritual that is called prayer. And it is not real prayer. It's people being religious. It's people salving their conscience that I am praying. And let me just, uh, well, I tell you what, go to Luke and we'll just do it like this. Go to the book of Luke, please. What is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. Go to the book of Luke, please. I believe it's the 18th chapter. Let me read these scriptures to you before we read this. You know, from the very beginning, this is what prayer has always been about. It might not have been called prayer. But when God made the earth. And I said, well, I believe in evolution. I said, when God made the earth. <laughs> you know, it, it takes more faith to believe in the Big Bang Theory than it does to believe what we believe. You know why the missing links are missing in evolution. You know, it is a crime that these things have been taught as fact in our educational system. When they are unfounded, they are unproven. They are unbelieving people's theories. You look at the beauty of creation. You look at the beauty of trees, mountains, the animals. Who, who can make a Labrador retriever? Who, who can make a Persian cat? Who can make a parrot or an elephant? And you're telling me that there was a boom and all this was there when the dust cleared. <laughs> That's like taking a bomb and setting it off 
in the junkyard. And when the dust clears, there's a new Mercedes sitting there. (laughs) You can try that a million times and you will never get a new Mercedes when the dust clears. It's preposterous. And we do not accept it. No. So you, you don't accept the theory of evolution. Things have changed. Yeah. There's been some evolving and there's been a whole lot of devolving. Sure. Sure things have adapted to the environment. Sure. Things have changed. The curse has affected everything in the earth. But God said let there be light and there was light. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the seas. He created man. In his own likeness and image. Right? I suspect there was a big bang when God said let there be light. But all this did not just happen to be, you know, you hear people talking about, you know, how amazing it is. If the earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, we couldn't have life. If it was just a little bit further, it was exactly in the right place. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that God? Isn't that God? In the beginning, when God made man, he made Adam and Eve, what did he do? He came down in the cool of the day, communed with them, fellowshiped with Adam and Eve, brought all the animals to Adam, communion. Is this not prayer? Could you not call this prayer? God talking to man, man talking to God, man enjoying God's company and presence. God enjoying man's company and presence. Amen. 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 What would you call that creature right there, Adam? He said, man, that's a long neck on there. That's good looking, Lord. Who you do good work. How'd you do that? How'd you make an animal like that? I'm going to call him a giraffe. God said, that's a great name. Good job, Adam. And then explained to him how he made giraffes. And Adam was so brilliant, he understood perfectly what God was telling him. Did you hear me? No ape man scratching his head, grunting. God man, able to fellowship with God, made in the image of God. Able to rule and reign over the dominion God placed him in. And then when sin ruined everything. And man was separated from God. Man didn't have that communion. Didn't have that fellowship. Eventually a man named Enoch. Remember him? He learned something about faith. That even though they had lost their place with God. By faith, he could commune with God. How do you suppose that happened? It happened by faith. That means it's not by what you see. It's not by what you feel. How did that happen? I think he had heard stories about God through Grandpa Adam. 
Grandma Eve, when you look at how long they lived, see, they all overlapped for generations. And they heard firsthand stories about the Garden of Eden and about God coming down in the cool of the day. And you could hear the presence of God moving through the trees and in communing with God. And he got to thinking about that. And as a grown man, he thought, I want to commune with God. I want to talk. Why can't I talk to God? I wasn't there. I didn't eat the fruit. (laughs) Why can't I talk to God? And one day it dawned on him. God's everywhere. He could hear me. God, I'm just going to talk to you. And I believe that you'll hear me. He didn't know it's written, draw near to me. And I'll draw near to you. It hadn't been written yet. But the Bible said he began to what? Walk with God. And he did that. And he did that. We know it's a principle now in the word of God. We can show you in several places where when you do that, God responds. And will begin to manifest himself to you. And the presence of God began to be real to him. And he'd begin to just, by faith and by faith, he got to the place where God was so real to him and the presence of God was so real to him, God took him, took him out. Glory to God. Everybody say communion with God. God. That's That's real praying. What we're talking about here, that's real praying. Real praying. Now sometimes it helps us in knowing what something is to state what it is not. And this is one of those times, there's so much faulty thinking about prayer that I want to give you for a bit what prayer is not in helping us to define what it is. What have we told you it is? Prayer is communion with God. Now look in Luke 18, if you've got your place there. Luke 18. The Bible said in Luke 18... Verse 10, Luke 18.10 says, two men went up into the temple to do what? To pray. One was a Pharisee. Now what are Pharisees? Pharisees were the most religious sect of the Jews. I mean the most strictest, the most conservative you might say. Most church goingness, scripture quotingness, they were. You might have called them the word people of their day. The law. Oh, they're big on the law, quoting the law. And another fellow was a publican. Were publicans known for being religious? <laughs> publicans were known for being greedy, money hungry. Sticking it to you in deals and stealing from you and lying on you and hurting you. Sinners, partiers, heavy drinkers. The Pharisees stood and did what? Prayed thus how? With himself. How did he pray? What what is prayer? Communion with yourself? Communion with God. What's this fellow doing? He's calling it prayer, right? 
he went up to pray. He's calling himself praying, but he's praying thus with himself. And he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I, I, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like this publican. I fast twice in the week. Oh God, I give tithes of all. I, do you hear this? Who's he communing with? His self. He's impressed with his self. Right? He's a Pharisee. He's holy. He's a tither. He lives right. And God said, he ain't talking to me. He's just praying with himself. <laughs> Is that right? Huh? <laughs> praying with himself. I want us to eliminate all of that. I want everybody in this church, I want us to eliminate praying with yourself. Putting in your prayer time. Did you hear me? Just praying for the sake of praying. Prayer is living communion with God. And when it gets real to you, nobody have to twist your arm to get you to pray. You'll desire to pray. I said you'll desire to pray. The publican, he stood afar off and wouldn't even lift so much as his eyes to heaven and he smote his breast. He said, God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself will be abased, and he that humbles himself will be exalted. Was the publican just talking to himself? Was he really talking to God? It was from his heart, right? The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. He was sincere. God have mercy on me. Did God hear that? God accept that he was was talking with God. He was communing with God. And God heard it. And God answered. We're praying just a few minutes ago, weren't we? Hmm? Ask the Lord to heal. Ask the Lord to bring money to people. Right? How many believe he heard us? Did you pray out of your heart? Were you sincere? I wasn't trying to impress you with my prayer. Were you trying to impress me? I wasn't talking to you. Right? You weren't talk, we weren't just praying with ourselves. Let me go on a little bit. Tell you what prayer is not. Talking to other people over God's shoulder is not prayer. Huh? Did you get that? Talking to other people over God's shoulder. What do you mean? Well, it would be like me coming in today and say, all right, let's bow our heads and pray. Oh, Father, Heavenly Father, deal with these people and tell them to be at the church on time and show these people what to do and give these people. Am I talking to God? Who am I talking to? I'm trying to tell you something, Right? Over God's shoulder. I'm not talking to him. Have you ever heard folk do that kind of thing? 
Oh, they're quoting all these scriptures and they're rambling all over the place. They're not talking to God. They're just trying to impress people with their spirituality. What they know and what they can do. Prayer is not yelling at the devil. Did you hear me? I said prayer is not yelling at the devil. Yelling at the devil and screaming at the devil. I know one time uh, I was with some folks and I mean we just barely started to pray. And I mean there was a rebuking and a binding. I mean (laughs) rebuking and binding and rebuking and binding. And finally I reached up and put put my hand on. I I said hold up brother. Put your sword up. We're in the throne room. There's a time to take authority over the enemy. But when you're doing that, you're not talking to God. Did you hear me? Yelling at the devil is not prayer. What is prayer? Communion with God. You know, I I don't care for, uh, and you might notice here at the church, we don't sing songs where you talk to the devil. Did you hear me? Why? Man, this is a holy part of our service. We're communing with God. We're we're worshiping Him. What about the devil? The devil's scared. (laughs) Stronger the presence of God gets in this place, he can't stay. He has to wait, you know, outside. I mean, in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says the enemies melt like wax. Prayer is not yelling at the devil. If you don't like that, don't give that up to you figure it out. Don't take my word for it. Search it out. Bewailing your predicament and recounting your problems for hours is not prayer. Like we said before, how many times do you have to tell God what your problem is before he gets it? Oh God, I gotta have a thousand dollars. I got to have a thousand dollars. I gotta have it by this Friday. I gotta have it. A thousand dollars, Lord. Oh God, a thousand. Oh God, I gotta have a thousand. Oh God, I got. Oh God, if you could move. One fellow was praying. He said, "By some hook or crook, if you, <laughs> by some hook or crook." Oh, God. Some people just say, oh, some way, somehow. Oh, God. Oh, God. A thousand dollars. Going over and over the problem. Rehashing the problem for hours is not prayer. People call it prayer. Laying in your bed and crying all night. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Doing that for hours and feeling sorry for yourself ain't prayer. Now, you can call it prayer if you want to, but it's not prayer. Did you hear me? Tell me what prayer is. Did you notice that verse we read in Isaiah 56? It said, they will be joyful in my house of prayer. Did you notice that? You can note and it helps you to identify error in prayer when people get so heavy and they get so intense. And what it is, it's varying degrees of depression. And you can hear when people pray, it's mournful. Mournful, mournful tones. I got through reading joyful in the house of prayer. Did you read that with me? 
joyful. Didn't the Bible say the joy of the Lord is your strength? Right? Well, our praying ought not be weak praying. It ought to be strong praying. Hallelujah. Prayer is not counting beads. Do you know what I mean by that? Counting beads. I don't know of anything in the Bible anywhere where anything is said about counting beads when you pray. I must say, what's wrong with it? Well, why do it? Did you hear me? Prayer is not spinning a wheel. There's a lot of people in different places where they, they spin wheels or they count beads or they roll something. Prayer is not counting beads. Prayer is not spinning wheels. Prayer is not swaying back and forth. Some people do this. Somebody says, what's wrong with that? Why do it? Why do that? Are y'all okay? Everybody okay? Somebody says, well, I want to do that. Why? Show me a verse. Show me a scripture. Show me any example where any of the, anybody in the church did anything like that. In the book of Acts or the New Testament or the epistles or anything Jesus said about it. Everybody clear now? Hallelujah. Prayer is not chanting some memorized phrases or paragraphs. Mindlessly. Go with me to Matthew, please. Sixth chapter. In Matthew 6, he's talking about prayer. In verse uh, 5, Matthew 6, 5, he said, When you pray... You shall not be as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. Why? So they can be seen of men. Did he say don't do that? That's what he said. Verily I say to you they have their reward. But when you pray, enter into your closet and when you've shut your door, pray to your father. Who do you pray to? Pray to the father God. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Which is in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. You do understand that there are millions and millions and millions of people on this planet that do not pray to the Father God. They pray to something else. You do realize that. I mean... Billions. And they pray, many of them pray repetitious. They pray the same thing, the same thing, over and over and over and over. And this has crept into so-called Christian churches too. Number of churches, they pray the same by rote. They've memorized certain things and they just pray that same thing, same thing, same thing. The Lord specifically warned us, don't do that. Right? I mean, what if I sit down with you? You're not going to talk. We're going to commune. And I had memorized a paragraph for you. <laughs> huh? And I said, oh, wit, 
You're a good man. When I'm with you, I feel happy. I enjoy your presence. Oh, wit, you're a good man. When I'm with you, I'm happy. I enjoy your presence. Oh, wit, you're a good man. When I'm with you, I'm happy. And I enjoy your presence. Oh, wit, when I'm with you, <laughs> you're a good man. When I'm with you, I feel happy. I enjoy. Huh? Why do that with God? Why would you do that with God? I said, why would you do that with God? When Jesus specifically warned us about it and told us, don't do it. So beware of anything that sounds repetitious. You're just doing it the same way every time, the same thing, because it could be vain repetitions. It's supposed to be living communion. Amen? Amen. It's like if you and I get together. What are we going to talk about? Who knows? Right? I mean, it could go all kinds of directions, right? I mean, we could talk about all kinds of things. Should we be any more constricted with God? Certainly not. Certainly not. Beware of vain repetitions. Now go with me quickly. Back to the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. Deuteronomy. The fifth chapter. Now let's answer this question a little bit further. You know, what is prayer? I want us to ask and answer the question, who do we pray to? And then also, how do we pray? Of course, we won't cover all of that today, but I want to introduce it to you. Who do we pray to? And then how do we pray? As you might imagine, that second question is going to take a little time. How do we pray? Now we've already seen, you know, in uh, the scripture we've read about who do we pray to. Who did we see? Pray to the Father. To the Father. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, he is uh, recounting. Now I said five, didn't I? Yeah, five is correct. He is recounting. When they were given the Ten Commandments on the mountain. And he said, verse uh, 4, this is Deuteronomy 5, for he said, The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall have none other gods before me. Number one. Right? What is number one? Who else do we pray to? Nobody. Right? Who do we pray to? We pray to the almighty God. Creator of heavens and earth. We pray to the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. Amen. We pray to the God of David. We pray to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? That's who we pray to. And none other. Ever. Right? So everybody knows that. No, billions don't know that. You might say, well, Brother Keith, do we pray to the Holy Spirit? Technically, no. 
Brother Keith, do we pray to Jesus? Technically, no. I know some folk might not like that, but now listen carefully. I didn't say you couldn't talk to Jesus. I didn't say you don't talk to the Holy Spirit. We're talking about prayer proper. Hold your place here. Go to John. Don't take my word for it. John 16. See what Jesus said. John 16. If we had time, we could show you many, many, many scriptures that talk about praying to God, praying to the Father, praying to the Father. And in John 16 and 23, Jesus is speaking, right? John 16, 23. He said, in that day, it's talking about in the day you and I live in, in the day of the new covenant. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask who? The Father. Father. How? In In my name, he will give it you. Verse 24. Hitherto, up till now, have you asked nothing in my name? Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These, these are the two big answers to who we pray to and how we pray. Right? Who do we pray to? The Father God. How? In the name of Jesus. Right? Brother Keith, I, I like to talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Miss Ola, I understand. I mean, why is it that prayer? Well, let me ask you this. Can you talk to me without praying to me? There you go. There are legalities involved that we don't fully understand, I'm sure. But how many understand, even in the government, uh, you have to go through the right channels, right? Certain things you want to do. Maybe you know somebody in there, but you can't just go say it. You have to go through this office and you have to go with this certain document. You have to go, well, there are legalities in God answering prayer in the earth. Why do we have to ask in Jesus' name? Well, that's what our rights are based on. It's what he did for us at the cross. Right? Our righteousness won't even get us an audience with the Father. Did you hear me? But coming in his name, we have full access. Coming in his name, we are heard. So say it again. Who do we pray to? The Father God. How? In Jesus' name. Now go back to to Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And what a privilege it is. He said, I am the Lord, this Deuteronomy 5, 6, I'm the Lord your God, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall have none other gods before me. We pray to the Father God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray to Him only. We have no other gods, right? So we pray to no other gods. We don't consult horoscopes. We don't look to mediums. Certainly not. Why look to the dead when you got a living God? 
Why inquire of known liars when you have the spirit of truth? Ignorant. We go to our God. We pray to our God. Amen. What's the second one he said? You shall not make you any graven image or any likeness of any thing that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. You talking about praying? You do not pray to a picture. You do not bow before a statue. Did you hear me? It's Michelle, but it's a statue of Jesus. Do you understand what any means? Huh? No, 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 Brother Keith. That was talking about any statue of any other God. You're putting words in it. It does include that, but it covers everything back up to the fourth chapter. Back up to the fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter and the verse 12. He said, the Lord spake to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but you what? You saw no similitude. What does that mean? You saw no likeness of God. Only you heard a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might do them in the land where you go over to possess it. Take you therefore good heed unto yourselves, for you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spoke to you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. The similitude of what? Any figure, the likeness of male or female, and then he goes on to talk about beast and, and anything. But do you understand? He specifically told them, you did not see any likeness of God for you to make any picture or any statue. You don't make any statues. No pictures. Did you hear me? I said, well, Brother Keith, some Christian organizations do. I know they do. And it's not okay. Did you hear me? You do not pray in front of a picture of Jesus or any other kind of picture. You do not kneel in front of any kind of statue. Did you hear me? No. You pray to God the Father. Right? By faith. What does he look like? You don't know. That's why it's by faith. Amen? Are you with me? You do not pray to any of the saints. Did you hear me? You do not pray to Mary. You do not pray to St. Paul. You do not pray to St. Peter. You do not pray to St. Christopher. You do not pray to any of your grandparents or family or anybody that's in heaven already. Never. Ever. 
under any circumstances, it is idolatry. Did you hear me? I says, well, Brother Keith, but I, I grew up, you know, pray. show me one verse, one scripture in the Bible that supports praying to a saint. Show me one example anywhere in the New Testament that they did such a thing or ever endorsed or allowed such a thing. You've only got two sources to base your faith on. The word of God and doctrines of men. Did you hear me? Now you're going to have to choose which one you go by. Hmm? We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Only. Only. Amen. Only. Hallelujah. The Lord said to me some even stronger things than that. I don't think I'll get into them right now. I was surprised. But, uh, you know, it, it's something that people get accustomed to certain things. And just because they become used to it, they think it's okay. But friend, when the Bible plainly tells you, never do you make any kind of image. Never do you make any kind of statue. Never. Right? Warns us. I mean, God was very, very strong. So when you pray, don't be looking at pictures. Don't be kneeling in front of statues. Right? Don't be talking to Mary. Don't be talking to Paul. Are you with me? Is this okay? Hallelujah. Say it out loud. We pray to God our Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's how we pray. Here's something else. He said, number one, no other gods before me. Number two, no images, no likenesses, nothing. Verse 11, what did he say? Deuteronomy 5, 11, what? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, that takes his name in vain. You don't take the name. The names of God. The name of Jesus. Now usually when you read this. People think about. What they call profanity. They think about what they call cursing. Most especially. They think about the word damn. Connected with the word God. And you think. Yeah that's, that's using the Lord's name in vain. And it is. It is, and it ought not be done. But there are numerous other ways that the Lord's name is used in vain that's really just as equally used in vain as using it like that that people think nothing about. And it's serious, and it's bad. And I'm going to give you an example. I don't even like to say some of them, but I don't know how else to get it across to you. Here's a real popular one. Particularly among the youth. Oh my God. There's not a whole lot of difference between saying that and saying damn and God together. Sure there's why? What does it mean to use the Lord's name in vain? The word vain literally means 
uselessly. Uselessly. When you use the word God, I've heard people say it like this. Jesus Christ, what were you thinking about? Very little difference in saying that, our saying damn and God together. I've heard people say, Jesus, Joseph and Mary. People say, Lord Almighty. People think that's funny. They think that's cool. Lord Almighty. Here's the real simple rule. If you say anything about God or the Lord, you better be talking to Him or about Him. Amen? Elsewise, you are using the names in vain. Slain. Expressions, irreverent, disrespectful, right? Dishonoring his plain command. How many understand there's a lot of things God could have said, and he boiled it down on this occasion to ten super important things, right? This is one of them. When you say God, see to it that you're either talking to him, Or you are legitimately talking about him. Right? No slang expressions. When you say Jesus. When you say Christ. See to it. You are talking to him. Or you are legitimately really talking about him. Everybody clear on that? And I don't care who thinks this is a cool phrase or this or that. The world is ignorant. It's a fact. We honor our God. Amen. Amen. Is that okay? These three things, as you can see, they're the foundations from centuries back. No other gods, no other gods before me. No images, no likenesses, none. Don't use the name in vain. How many believe that's a good foundation to start your prayer off of? You know who you're praying to, right? You're praying to him by faith, praying to the Father in the precious, reverent name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hearts and our hands and let's say it out loud. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that because Jesus has made the way, we can come before you, commune with you personally, and you will hear us And answer our prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We worship. The God. Of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. We worship. The God. And Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship. Our God. And our Father. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.